Welcome to the Adventures of Andrew Briggs. My name is Andrew, and these are my adventures. This is a podcast about the places I go, the people I meet, the things I see, and some of the lessons I learn along the way. So hop in, and let's go. Hello, and welcome to episode two. So my name is Andrew. I've been traveling around the U.S. for about seven months now in my Chevy van. I'm currently sitting in the back of it in Sam Houston National Forest, just north of Houston, obviously enough. I want to start this episode off by giving some more information about the general plan I'm working through. Because in the first episode, I just said I'm taking a big lap around the U.S., which is what I'm doing, but I wanted to give some more detail about that, about what I've done so far and what I plan on doing next. So I left home in eastern Washington, and I went over to the west coast. From the west coast, I headed south down through Washington, Oregon, and California, which is what this episode is going to be about. From southern California, I headed east towards Nevada, and I stopped in Las Vegas for a few days, then over in southern Utah for a few months. From there, I went south down to uh, the Grand Canyon, Carlsbad Caverns, and all the way down to... Big Bend National Park, which is right at the border of Texas and Mexico. From there, I wanted to see a show. Uh, I hadn't seen a live music show in a long time, so I went over to San Antonio, and I found there was a jazz show going on, so I went and saw that. There was another show over in Conroe, Texas, which is kind of nearby where I'm at now, actually. Um, That was a paranormal circus, which was interesting and really entertaining. After that, I headed south down to a place near Corpus Christi on Padre Island. There's some free camping on the beach there, which you really can't pass up. And I spent some time in Port Lavaca, which is where I recorded episode one, and a lot of time in this forest also, in Sam Houston Forest, also in Davy Crockett National Forest, and also a a city nearby uh, Sam Houston here uh, called Tumball, Texas. That's where I've been spending the most, like, a, a lot of time. And the reason I've stayed, actually, it's been about two months or so. The reason I've stayed in Texas for so long is because I have a buddy that's getting married in Austin uh, within a week or so of when I'm recording this. So I've stayed around the area because I didn't want to miss that. And I didn't want to get too far off and have to drive all the way back or leave the van somewhere and fly over. Figured I'd just stay in the area and and um, make it happen. The, uh, it's been nice actually staying in this area too. It's nice that the state is open in comparison to other states around the U.S. right now. And also it's given me time to figure out exactly <clears throat> figure out exactly what I want the podcast to look like. Oh, something's in my throat. Yeah, figure out exactly what I want the podcast to look like. And, um, and also just, you know, straighten my head out a little bit and clear my mind a little bit more and sober up a little bit. So... After I look forward to the wedding, uh, I look forward to seeing everybody and being there for his big day, but I also look forward to being over because then I can continue traveling and I can continue to see more new things. After the wedding, I plan on heading down to the southern coast and riding the southern coast along through Louisiana and Mississippi and Alabama down to Florida. And I hope to spend some more time, a little extra time in Florida. Well, that state is open as well, but also I hope to, there's a trade down there, a new skill that I would like to learn. I don't know how possible it's going to be or if it's actually going to happen. We'll see, but it's something that something that, that, that has interested me for a long time that I hope to make happen. 
After Florida, I will head up the East Coast and see some historic American sites. I want to see the Capitol before it's burnt down or the White House is painted rainbow or something. <laughs> I want to, uh, I don't know, after that I'll probably, I might make it up to Maine. And, but I'm not sure. It depends on the weather at that point. If it's, it looks gorgeous and I really want to see Maine. But the weather, depending on the weather, if it's too cold at that time of year, then, you know, if the conditions don't allow, then it won't happen. I, uh, but yeah, so we'll see it when I get there. I'm not, I don't really know what it's like around there. And we'll, yeah, we'll figure it out when we get there. After that, I plan on, after I like get, figure out the Northeast part of the country and check that off the list, I plan on heading West back in the direction of home. I want to stop at Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls and the Grand Canyon were two really big points I wanted to see. And in the Grand Canyon, I even hiked down to the bottom and stayed a couple nights at the base. But after Niagara Falls, I yeah, continue west, see Chicago, see Mount Rushmore, and a few other points along the way, and then end up home. So that's a little more detail of the plan that I'm working my way through. I at the I did get a question that I will touch on a little bit throughout the episode, and but I will approach it specifically at the end of the episode. Also, it's a question about traveling during coronavirus and. Um, and some like a question related to hitchhiking also. Uh, so this episode, I have it divided into five parts. You don't need to remember the five parts, but I, just to help me organize it and, and have a structure for me to work my way through. So uh, one is family in Seattle. Two is Luis in Portland. Three is Irwin in Corvallis. Four is Lighthouse Laura in Fort Bragg. Five is Tommy in Los Angeles. So first off, uh, leaving home, I mean, I quit my job, which I was pretty eager to do. I sold my daily driver car. I said some sad goodbyes, some happy goodbyes, some awkward goodbyes. And yeah, off I was. The first feeling of leaving is always really exciting on a trip like this. It's especially when you're alone. I don't know. It's like, it's it feels like raw freedom. I don't know. It's kind of like it's all this new exciting stuff's about to be happening to you. It's like putting down a book that you don't really like to start a new book. You don't know if this new book's going to be good or not, but you're at least excited to read the first page. So the first place that I wanted to go was, like I said, was going to be Seattle area for family. There's a few passes you can take over from the east side of the state to the west side. My favorite is Chinook Pass. Because Chinook Pass, it looks like a postcard of Washington. It's gorgeous. So up there on top, there is like a deep green meadow with yellow and yellow and white and blue flowers. There's evergreen trees. There's a small lake or a pond. There's uh, Mount Rainier is there. It's just, it's amazing. I've even spent some time hiking through there on the Pacific Crest Trail and camped out for 10 or 11 days out in the woods there. It's beautiful in that area. So when I left, I headed in the direction of Chinook Pass. I didn't I didn't make it all the way to Chinook Pass. I wanted to wake up in the morning and hike it the next morning. So I stopped a little before the pass and just pulled off on a side road. I think there was a campsite at the end of the road, but I didn't make it that far to it. I just, I saw some other guy was parked on the side of the road. So I turned around and parked on the side of the road, probably a half mile or a quarter mile up from where he was and just parked on the side of the road. And I had no issues there. I woke up the next morning, splashed some water in my face from the river I was next to, and I went up to Chinook. Uh, when I went up to Chinook, I hoped that I was going to find, I hoped that it was going to be like a beautiful sunny day, but it wasn't. 
Um, it was it was really thick fog actually, which ended up actually being. I like that. I like that even more because I'd been through Chinook Pass a number of times when it's sunny and beautiful, but going through this time, it was a different feel with it being such thick fog, and it's a different kind of weird feel when you're walking through a place that's so lush and green, and you're surrounded by thick fog. It's a it's a it's a cool feeling, and just the feeling of fog on your skin, like the moisture in the air, feels great. So when I got to Seattle area, I met up with my my family, my cousin Jesse and Shauna, cousins Jesse and Shauna, they had a get together at their house because normally we do a family reunion every year, but due to coronavirus, we did a smaller get together with just like a cousin's get together. And yeah, these are always some of the most fun events of the year that one of the things I look forward to the most, it's just everyone hanging out, telling stories, drinking, playing games, having food or eating food. And uh, one of the games we play is uh i don't know how much of a game it is more more so than a form of abuse but it's out of love so uh what we do is you know someone's we're all hanging out around talking around a circle you're talking there and someone comes sprinting up behind you and spanks your ass as hard as they possibly can and normally we pick someone that just continues to continually gets it over and over i think jesse started this and he always gets his you know we everyone always gets him back at the end i remember at some point everyone pinning him down and just destroying him but this time, this time, the person that got it was Adam, which is my cousin Kendra. It's her, her husband, Adam. He's, he's an awesome dude. Uh, but he had it coming. All right. It was his turn. It's his, his turn, his initiation. I don't know what it was. It was, it was hilarious. That's what it was. So he probably got spanked. Uh, I don't know, seven or eight times, maybe. <laughs> and I'm going to put up the picture online. I've asked for his consent about it, so it'll be all right. But, uh, it's a picture of, of at the end of the night, he pulled his pants down like this bright white ass and these like shiny red handprint <laughs> welt on his ass from, the, from getting beat up from so bad. And in the background, my cousin Colton is there laughing. <laughs> it's a hilarious picture. So it was a great way to start the trip with the family and having a really good time with them. It was, it's always a blast. I stayed one extra night in uh, Bonnie Lake at my cousin Colton's house. And when I got there, I was still learning about the van. I didn't really know much about. I didn't really know much about it at all. And the the lights and the water pumps weren't working. So I just imagined it was something terrible had broken. Colton quickly figured out that it was just the battery that was dead, the house battery. And the house battery was so dead that it couldn't or we hooked up a trickle charger to it and the trickle charger couldn't even see that there was a battery there. So he showed me what to do was you take jumper cables, you put the cables on the the battery underneath your hood and the other end of the cables on the battery of the house. And you turn the van on, let that get a little initial charge, and then the trickle charger will note that there is a, a battery there and it'll get a good charge on. So we left that on overnight and we watched probably four or five Danny Trejo movies and I learned how much of a badass he is. The machete don't play. And uh, the next morning I took off and I started heading towards the coast. Something about the ocean just always pulls me in. It calls me. And something about the grand majesty and power of the ocean. I'm just drawn to it. But on the way, all the way down the, down the coast, I wanted to hit all three capitals. I wanted to hit Olympia, Salem, and Sacramento. Just because uh, like those are major points and I wanted to check them off the list. So on the way over to the ocean, I stopped at Olympia and all the... 
all the capitals that I stopped at were all like this, at least on the West Coast, that were all very quiet. And I think probably because it's federal property and the coronavirus, you know, it's everything's kind of shut down. Uh, it was pretty cool, though. I mean, I just got on my at all of them. I just got on my longboard and cruised around, looked at the architecture, the statues, read some of the signs and I was on my way. Didn't spend too much time there, but checked it all out. Uh, the first place that I hit along the coast, this is where I found, actually ran into my first problem with uh, coronavirus. Well, I mean, there's been plenty of problems with coronavirus, but in this context, uh, I ran into a, an, an issue with um, finding campsites because a lot of people, well, since we can't travel internationally right now and a lot of people aren't working right now, a lot of people are traveling within the U.S., and the West Coast is a place that a lot of people want to go. So it's so when I got there, all the campsites were all booked, and they were booked out for two weeks. And I kind of was relying on those. I figured I would stay a couple nights and have some bonfires and meet some people and have a good time. But that was not going to happen. So the first place I landed on the coast was Cannon Beach. And I found some RV parking and I was like, sweet, I'll just stay here for the night. There was I there was probably like five or six other RVs there. I parked my van next to them. And I walked over to the ocean and started walking along the coast a little bit near Haystack Rock. And this is the first place that I started to get feelings of being alone and kind of being sad about it. Like I see I see couples holding hands and walking on the beach and I see groups of people huddled around a fire. I was like, I want to be with them. And I immediately catch myself in that moment. I'm like, dude, this is day one. And you're already whining about being alone and being sad about it. Like, stop complaining. And if you really want to go talk with those people, then go talk with those people. Don't sit over here and whine about it. But I think there's also something primal about, about a fire that just calls me. It's just something about warmth and comfort and safety. And I just wanted to be around it. But, uh, but I also, this was a good moment to be like, no, you chose to travel solo don't complain about it. Don't be sad about it. You need to learn to deal with this and manage this. So um, I walked back to the van. And when I got back to the van, all the other RVs were gone. And then that's when I saw the sign that said no overnight parking. So I had to find a place to camp for the night. And there's not going to be any free camping around a place like that because it's a busy place. And if there was any free camping, it would have been full, especially because it was getting late and the sun was going down. So I figured the best place to, the best place to um, find a place for the night would be staying in like a hotel parking lot. I figured if they saw me park there, they would just assume that I'm staying at the hotel. The first place I went to, or a couple of them, were smaller hotels. And when I would pull into their parking lot, the people in the lobby would, like the guy that worked there, would look out and he'd see me. And I figured they probably aren't okay with you parking there overnight on a small place like that, that the parking lot's open. So I just went, I went to one that was full and it was busy, but it was completely full. There was no open spots. So I just parked on the side of the parking lot. And this was a very uncomfortable night. I was, I was parked on a, on a slant. So I was rolling to one side of the van. This was also my first night sleeping in public around a bunch of people, which is a scary feeling to adjust to. And also being new to sleeping in the van, I'm still adjusting to like, like if I shuffle around and I'm laying in the back, all the little cracks and creaks that it makes. Like I immediately imagine, imagine that any sound that it makes is somebody trying to break in and kill me and steal all my things. That's my immediate reaction. 
Um, I sleep with a weapon next to me to make myself feel a little more safe, but still, it's a terrifying feeling. Oh, and also, this when I... I did want to mention, this is where I learned about... This is where I first looked up like where to find free camping sites because I did not want to I did not want to stay like that every night. And what I found was there was two there's two apps that I use primarily to to find free sites. I use Free Roam and Campendium. There's also one called Dirt, spelled with a Y that you can use, but I haven't used that one too much. The other two do pretty well for me. They tell you all they tell you where all uh, campsites are, where RV parks are. They tell you where dump sites are. They tell you where free sites and overnight, free overnight parking, which there is a difference between free campsites and free overnight parking. So camping, free camping will be a dispersed camping where it'll be basically just a plot of land with maybe a fire pit there. And free overnight parking is going to be at a casino or at a Walmart or a rest stop or something. Uh, I also stay on a lot of national forest land or, uh, or BLM land, which Bureau of Land Management land. And I, it, the, and staying on these places has saved me a lot of money. If I would, if I, uh, if I would have paid for a place every night, I would have easily spent double the amount of money that I have so far. I mean, staying in free places, you're not going to have the amenities you normally would have. You're not going to have, for the most part, you're not going to have public restrooms and running water, definitely not running water and definitely no showers. But I kind of like the off-grid a little bit, a little bit more. So there's benefits to both, obviously. So um, I woke up Cannon, the, the morning Cannon Beach and I wasn't murdered. Nothing was stolen. So hooray. And that's actually something I wake up thinking a lot. A lot of times I wake up, especially if I'm in Walmart parking lots, I'll wake up and be like, all right, I didn't die last night. It's a good day. And it's a good, <laughs> that's a common thought that I have. Uh, but after Cannon Beach, since I couldn't stay there very long with not, without having any open campsites, I decided to head over to, to uh, Portland area and see my friend Luis, King Louie, the king of the swingers all, the jungle VIP. I was excited to go see him, and um, yeah, he's a good friend I was excited to go see. So I went over to Portland, joined a riot really quick, looted a TV, and then I met up with him. He's over in Portland right now learning to... Uh, learning to become a chef and run a restaurant. So I went over to his place and he had some delicious food cooked up. We watched a cooking show really late into the night until the finale. We had good conversation and just caught up about, we're just, he's a good friend that I'm able to be honest with. And um, yeah, I feel very lucky for the friendship that I have with him. After, yeah, I slept, I slept on his couch that night and we woke up the next morning and he had to work, so we went over and got lunch at the place he was working at the time. And after lunch, we said our goodbyes, and off I was. The next place I was going to make it to was Irwin in Corvallis, Oregon. Along the way, I did stop off. There was a an outlet mall I stopped off, and I, I buy this specific kind of this specific pair of jeans that I've been buying for years that are my favorite. They're Banana Republic Traveler jeans. They're they're, they're made of some, a little bit of spandex. They're stretchy. It's Japanese denim. They're fantastic top shelf jeans. And they're not cheap. So I stopped in at this uh, at this outlet mall, and there was a couple. I got bought a couple pairs on sale, so I scored there. Um, the next place along the way there was Salem, so I went through Salem again and again, pretty quiet through the capital. Cruised my longboard around there a little bit, 
And then I was going to meet up with Irwin in Corvallis. So Irwin is, he was one of my old Young Life leaders. And Young Life was a Christian ministry I was involved with in high school and a year or so after high school. Before I met up with him, I um, I was a little early to town. So I rode my longboard around uh, OSU, Oregon State University, home of the Beavers, and saw there the baseball field and the football field. And again, the campus was pretty quiet through there as well. So I met up with Irwin for lunch. And it's, you know, Irwin was one of the leaders that I always respected a lot. And I always, I always valued, valued his opinion. And I mean, there was a time that after getting to college, I, I mean, I went, I went away from religion and that kind of happens, you know, when you get to college. But also, not only was it the partying and all that, but it was the type of faith that I had grown up learning or learned as a kid it ran out it was it seemed like a childish faith and it didn't seem like it didn't really help me anymore I could rationalize it away very quickly and very easily and yeah just the way I had learned it really didn't have much value for me anymore not that and I, but I still think religion has deep value I want to be careful to talk about this topic a little bit because this is episode two uh, and I don't want to get too deep into the the religious stuff yet, but these are these are conversations that I really enjoy having. So I do want to touch on it a little bit here. So um, yeah, Irwin's a smart guy, and I kind of developed this perspective that was maybe it's it's kind of a to a degree it's a cynical it is it's a cynical perspective I think. But maybe, but it, not, I don't know if it's cynical, but it's ra- it's a rational, a pretty r- strict rational perspective, which is not really me, but I have the, the, the perspective I developed anyway. The, the perspective I developed was something like religious, like uh, people that are scientific minded view people that are religious as as uh, stupid and people that are religious view people that are have scientific minds as arrogant or something along those lines. And I saw a bit of a contradiction in Irwin, it seemed at the time, because he's a smart guy that had like a high ranking job that with the scientific thinking mind, but he was also deeply religious. So it's not like I showed up at the time and was like, prove to me and explain to me why religion is good, because I'd already developed a, a perspective of my own that I do believe that there is some sort of pairing that can be done between these two of science and religion, not with the the common way that, that I've, that I had grown up learning it but I'm hesitant to remove religion from my life fully and I mean religion is at the base of every society every civilized society it's at the base of it so I'm hesitant to remove it if there's nothing to replace it with I it's yeah it's I don't know I don't have it I don't have a again this is episode two I don't want to go too deep into it if there, if anyone's interested in checking it out a, a very interesting conversation and debate maybe was between there's a couple of them online by uh, Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris if you're interested in checking those out there I've had to listen to them over and over and over to try to even understand what they're saying but they're fantastic conversations about the relationship between science and religion I think at the end of the day in my eyes they're both pursuing the same sort of thing they're both trying to understand reality they're both trying to understand what is true maybe we can divide it in between science is is searching for fact and religion is searching for wisdom and if i I think if i can find some way to develop my own perspective with that i think i can have a more dynamic dynamic way of thinking that as a perspective that 
and it helps me more, more properly progress through life. Uh, so yeah, it was a deep conversation with Irwin and it was a great conversation. He's a, he's a great guy. And I expected that we would just get lunch and, and that'd be the end of it. But he offered up, he offered me to stay, stay at his house. He offered to fill my, fill my van with gas and with groceries. It was just very, very kind. I got to see his wife, Christina again, and an old friend, Victoria, um, yeah, it was great. It was really, it was really nice to see them and really, really caring people. And they prayed over me and off I was. The next place I wanted to go from Corvallis was, uh, Fort Bragg, California to see Lighthouse Laura. But before that, that was, that was the biggest gap that I had so far was between Corvallis and Fort Bragg. So there was a few things I wanted to see in between there along the way. One was the Dorner fir tree, and one was Thor's well. Those are two major places. So the Dorner fir tree is a—it's one of the tallest trees in the world. It's in the redwoods. It's over 300 feet high. It's glorious. So I definitely took, or Google took me on this weird route all the way up there. It took me on a logging road, like this dirt logging road, winding through the woods, and it was really cool actually. I mean, I got lost a couple times, and eventually found my way there. The road down was a lot quicker, and I think the way that most people go. But I'm glad that I went that way. It was a fun, big loop to take through the mountain. Uh, eventually, when I found it, uh, I got to the parking lot, and there was nobody else there, which was awesome. It was a beautiful day, beautiful and sunny. I walked probably a mile in, a mile trail in to find where the tree's at, and it's glorious, man. It's like... I don't know, the way I think about it is like our species lived in trees for a long time. And something about staring at a tree like that is like staring at a huge mansion. It's, yeah, it's, it put me in awe. I moved, I went a little past the tree and was just exploring the forest. And it was, like I said, it was beautiful and sunny. There were beams of light shooting through the, shooting down through the trees. And you could see little, little bugs and little birds and little things flying in the air. And, um, uh, I was climbing on fallen trees and surfing on them like Tarzan and just having a blast out there. Uh, I went back to the tree and got a few pictures and I just had a really high energy. I was really happy. I was just stoked to be out there. And I think just buried in the forest in a beautiful day by myself. I, I liked being out there like that. And I start walking back to the van and eventually I start my, my pace starts getting up and I start running through the forest just because I have high energy and I'm happy. And then I start singing to myself, better run through the jungle, better run through the jungle. And I just start singing that song out loud to myself as I'm running through the forest. And I get back to the van and one of the first things, this is one of my favorite things to do just in general. And uh, uh, the first song I put on was Run Through the Jungle by Creedence Clearwater Revival, which I have on one of my Spotify playlists called Dad Rock and Roll. And I start cruising down the hill, like winding through this forest road. I have the music loud, the window down, my shirt off, my seatbelt off, just bouncing in my seat, leaning out the window, dancing, just singing, just feeling it, just having a great time, feeling myself and, and having a blast. That's one of my favorite things to do in general. It's just, yeah, it's a great time. And when I got back down to the coast, I found Thor's Well, which was the next point that I wanted to see. 
that it's basically just a big hole in the rocks on the shore. It's pretty cool. It's like as the water's coming in and out, the water's purging up and down in this thing. I don't know if it's supposed to like shoot up really high or anything. I don't not when I was there, I wasn't doing that, but it's definitely something I'd say to add to your list. It's, it's really easy to get to. It's right along the Pacific Coast Highway. You can park on the side of the highway and walk down some stairs or a little pathway and you're right there. It's a cool, it's, yeah, it's a, a big hole in the rocks and there's a bunch of shells that are clung to the side. It's pretty cool. Uh, I had done a lot of hiking, a lot of running through the jungle that day. So I wanted to eat a steak and potatoes, some, some potatoes. And I just Googled steak near me. And I found a place in Bandon, Oregon that was, I mean, I didn't know, but when I walked in, I realized it was a really fancy place and I wasn't about to track down another place. So I went in there. I mean, I was in like a, I was in like a hoodie and jeans and I was all sweaty and my hair was all messy and these people are all dressed all classy and all this but I got my steak and my beer and I was happy and the only thing only thing I wasn't happy about was the bill when I got it but <laughs> that's what it is I got a delicious steak I found a place that I could camp nearby overnight which was in Port Orford and in Port Orford there was a parking lot that was overlooking the ocean that it said it was free and then when you get there it has like a they asked for a $20 donation, which you don't really need to, I guess, but I felt the need to, and I was having a happy day, and I was new to this, I don't know, I don't know if I still would pay that right now, but that day I did, uh, then I parked there, I walked over to the convenience store, got myself a Space Dust IPA, and came back to the van, drank my beer, wrote in my journal, and just hung out. I woke up the next day and was planning to get down to Fort Bragg, California and see Lighthouse Laura. On my way through Northern California, honestly, it was it was pretty sad going through Northern California. I don't know if it was just the balance of me having such a great day the day prior or if it was just, I mean, the weather was overcast. It didn't feel like just the weather was overcast, though it felt like the whole like the whole portion of the state all the cities I was going through felt felt overcast also just felt dreary and gloomy and kind of sad and that could be because of coronavirus also everything's kind of shut down and quiet but the first place that did bring some joy back to me was Fort Bragg and Fort Bragg California has a special place in my heart it because of some things that happened here uh on my hitchhiking trip through um, again, it's, I, I want to tell that story, but it's, I don't know. They're, all the stories are so closely linked that it's hard to tell one and not tell all of them. It just doesn't seem to do it justice. But the, so to give a little context, I guess, I had spent three days with an Israeli family in a school bus, and they dropped me off about 30 miles west of the Fort Bragg coast. I started walking towards the coast again because the ocean was calling me. It was pulling me in. And this lady, Joanne, picked me up. I wasn't even, I didn't even have my thumb up. I wasn't even hitchhiking. She just stopped and offered me a ride. I got in her, her, her old piece of crap minivan. She's just chain smoking cigarettes and offers me some cigarettes. So I start chain smoking with her and we're just driving. She drives me over to the coast. She's sharing all about her family and sharing about mine and about the adventure and all that. And... We go to Denny's to get something to eat. She gives me a $20 bill and a pack of cigarettes. 
Um, and I try to turn them down, but she's like, you know, she's like, you're not the first person I've done this to. Just take them. And it's like, just a really friendly, great lady. So that, that was cool. And so now I was in Fort Bragg and I was looking for, I just wanted to walk over to the ocean. And as I was wandering through the streets, trying to find a pathway to the ocean, I walked in front of Laura's house. And as soon as I was walking, I was like right in front of her mailbox and she walked outside to get her mail. And she likes to say she found me in her mailbox. And I don't know. I, I was told I was looking for the ocean. And the reason I call her Lighthouse Laura is because she works at a, she, yeah, she works at a lighthouse in the area. And so she has a lot of information about the history and about the landscape and all of that. So she walked me over to the ocean and gave me a bunch of information about what was going on. And Laura's, she's probably 30 or 40 years older than I am. And we, I don't know, it's, it doesn't really matter. Like something about the way we communicate is we both still connect on this, some sort of soul level. And then we both respect each other. And we both want to understand where the other person is coming from. And we both listen and try to really, I don't know, we're not trying to convince the other person that, uh, that we're right or anything. I mean, we both have our beliefs and things that we, we both have our beliefs, but uh, but we respect that the other person has different ones. Uh, so this time was uh, when I got showed up in the van. I, I planned on surprising her. But I showed up at her house and she wasn't there. So I went over to the Fort Bragg coast and did some longboarding around there. And if you're in Fort Bragg, definitely stop in there. The coast in that city is is gorgeous. It's The way that the water has carved away at the rocks is, is great. The... Uh, the color of the soil is like this orange brown color. The way that the the waves are crashing and throwing up water, it's really it's a really cool place. A really cool shoreline to check out. Uh, I killed an hour or two over there. Went back to Laura's house. She still wasn't there. So then I was sitting out front, kind of just waiting. And I figured if the police would show up, they wouldn't they wouldn't do anything because I was like, you can contact the owner. She'll be stoked to hear. She'll be stoked that I'm here. Not so I wasn't too worried about that. It was weird to me, though, that I was sitting out front and I saw a guy and his dog walk in the side gate and into the backyard. I was like, maybe Laura doesn't live here anymore. So I ruined the surprise by sending her a message on Facebook. But what she told me later was that was a guy that was just, just down on his luck and she was letting him stay in the shed in her backyard to kind of help him get back on his feet, which is a really, really lovely thing to do. Very kind. Eventually, I'm still kind of just waiting out front. And I just like lay in, lay down in the back and kind of getting ready to sleep. I wasn't too late. It was probably around seven o'clock or so. I think the sun was about it was going down. And I hear a voice outside of the van, Andrew Briggs, Andrew Briggs. And I knew that voice for sure. And obviously it's my name. So I, Laura was there and she realized it was me. One of her neighbors was kind of suspicious of what van was out, what van was out front, but she kind of called her off and we were fine. Um, and we go in and have a great conversation. We catch up about some of the good things and more of the bad things that have been going on in our lives and uh, the harder things. And it was great. The only thing I really needed from her was I wanted a place to stay for the night. So I slept in the driveway and I also want to fill up my water tank and get a shower because at this point I was not used to, not used to the showers. I wanted a shower like every day or every other day. And now at this point, I'm all like seven months in and I can go for a week without one pretty, pretty easily. And at that point it was like two days. Like I need a shower. I, it's taken some time to adjust, but you get used to it. Hi. 
so yeah, we had a good conversation. We caught up and I woke up the next morning and got my shower and I, and I took off. I walked over to, or I drove over to Glass Beach, which is right there on the Fort Bragg coast also. And what it is, it, they used to dump a bunch of trash in the ocean there back in the day. And over the years, the broken glass bottles have been washing up on shore, the little pieces of glass. And apparently it used to be a lot more glorious than it is now. Like a lot more glass was there. But a bunch has been taken over time and that's just that's the way it goes. And it's not quite as cool anymore, but it's still a cool thing to check out if you're passing through. There's also a really good burger shop or a, a place to get a burgers. Oh my gosh, I can't remember the name of it right now. It's got an old sign, Old Fashioned Burgers. I can't, there's a name, it's like a woman's name, Old Fashioned Burgers. If you're in Fort Bragg, grab a burger there. It'll make you proud to be an American. Um, let's see. So after, after Glass Beach, I stopped off and grabbed a cup of coffee at a place that was selling banjos made out of old cigar boxes. And I wanted to make it to Sacramento or head in the direction of Sacramento. I knew I couldn't make it that far and there was nowhere to stay near downtown. And I don't really want to sleep near downtown, uh, downtown in a big city. So there was a place uh, in Brooks, California that I decided to stay. So I was heading that direction. I stopped at In-N-Out, got my double-double, no tomato, animal-style fries. And I headed to Brooks, California. Which Brooks is a really small little farm town. There's just livestock and you know barns and it's pretty it's a little farm town and you cruise through there and you get almost to the end of town and then there's this boom there's like this huge casino like this bright shiny lit casino and it was the biggest casino i'd seen at that point and a lot of casinos are they're cool with you staying there because you know the longer you stay the more money you spend so they're cool with that i uh I talked to the guy at the parking guy and he showed me where the RV parking was and it was great because I was the only one that was there. So I had the whole parking area there to myself and it was kind of raised up higher where the view that we had or that I had was in front of me was a big hillside and behind me was this deep valley. It was a really, it was a great view, but I parked and I walked down to the casino to check that out. I lost 60 bucks real quick. I lost another 40 at the bar and I don't know. I, I, I started to walk back up to the van and I was happy. Like it was like, it was nice. I was in a new place that I'd never been and I was getting far enough away from home. It, I was just starting to feel, feel, feel good about this trip. I went up to, I got up to the van. I opened up my bottle of whiskey and started sipping on that a little bit. And I won't give too, too much detail about this part, but I'll just say I, I danced with the constellations that night. It was great. It was a great time. Listen to some music and yeah, enjoyed myself there. Woke up the next morning and watched the sunrise over the valley onto the hill. And I didn't get much sleep that day. But uh, I woke up, I don't know, I woke up feeling great. It was the first, it was the first time that I'd felt like this is the right place for me to be. Like I'm doing the right thing. Like everything seemed right. And I, I, I could tell physically just by looking at myself because of the smile that was on my face. It wasn't forced. It wasn't anything. It felt... And I was comfortable. It fit. The smile fit just right. And uh, yeah, it was like the first feeling of being, being in the right place. And you might hear some dirt bikes going by in the background. There's some dirt bikes and four wheelers out here. 
So after leaving Brooks, California, I was going to head to Sacramento and again, pretty boring seeing a, seeing a, the capital. I mean, it was downtown and there was a little, it was a little busier cause there were some cars going around there, but still it's like, you know, it's like, Oh, that's the capital is a building and there's some statues and whatever. It was cool to see. I checked it off the list. I saw there was some free, a free place to camp near San Francisco and I really needed to sleep. So I headed that direction. I wanted to get over, I wanted to go over the Golden Gate Bridge just because I wanted to drive over the bridge. And I, I, so I took kind of a winding road to get there and got out, got my pictures of the Golden Gate Bridge, which doesn't have a Golden Gate, but I always, I always, I'm always confused about that. (laughs) I continued on to find the place where I could sleep and yeah, I don't know. It's, San Francisco is a it's a pretty rough city right now from the things I've seen, the things I've experienced. From what I've heard online, people are just like shitting everywhere and it's there's a housing situation is rough and it's just the, the the city's been struggling for a while now, which is um yeah, it's not not the best place to be right now. Uh but I got the place that I had that I could stay was a was a rest stop right on the outside of town. But the people were using this rest stop like it was a park. And there was people just like hanging out, sitting on buckets, smoking joints, and just chilling at this place. And it was right next to a highway. It was really busy. And I tried to sleep. I mean, I put, I closed up my curtains here. I closed those up and tried to block out the light. And yeah, I laid there for probably about 10 or 15 minutes. And I was like, I cannot do this. First, it was too hot. And also, I just didn't like it. It felt sketchy being in that area. Like just the people were around. I was afraid, again, someone was going to break in and murder me or shit on my hood or something. Like, I just was afraid of that place, so I just couldn't stay. So I tried to think of a place that would be safe in that area. And I remembered back to my hitchhiking trip that, like, this guy that I had, well, I go, maybe go back a little farther. I met this guy while I was in Europe on a free, in Paris, on a free walking tour. Uh, after the tour, we went and got something to eat. We ex- we ate an, um, an exploded goose liver pate, which is illegal in the U.S., but in France, they don't give a shit about geese liver. And, yeah, after that lunch, he said, hey, if you ever come through San Francisco, let me know, and we'll meet up again. So on my hitchhiking trip through, I met up with him, and I stayed at his place uh, near Palo Alto. And he worked at Google, and he actually even invited me to go to the Halloween party with him. And him and his girlfriend were Ash and Misty from Pokemon, which was awesome. And I would just win as Christopher McCandless or Alexander Supertramp from Into the Wild. It is a big inspiration to me. And also, I just kind of like I've been told by a few people that I remind them of him. And I mean, I was hitchhiking. I had I have a flannel that kind of looks like that. I have I have my backpack. I just wear what I was wearing every day and I could just call it like just passes Christopher McCandless but I remembered that area was I felt safe in that area I mean it felt fake too because I remember walking through the neighborhoods I'm like man all these yards look super nice and I went over to look at it and touch it like oh well all the grass is plastic that makes sense and um but it felt safe so that's the place I was going to look for and try to sleep that night in uh that day in the van so I just I googled the Google campus and I found that same place where we had the Halloween party. But everywhere around there there were signs that said 
no parking, no overnight parking, tow-away zone, tow-away zone, tow-away. And I was getting super pissed because I was tired, I was hungry, I was in a busy city, like I was just ready to sleep, and I was getting pissed, and I said, fuck it, I'm going to turn around, I'm going to get on the highway, and I'm going to go south until I'm far enough away from the city that I can find a place that's quiet. And as soon as I said that, I turned off on a road and to turn around and go back to the highway, and I was driving down a street with like 40 or 50 vans and motorhomes parked on the side of the road. It's like, all right, well, I guess I'll stay here tonight. And I mean, it felt kind of sketchy through there also, but I got out and I walked around the area to kind of get a feel for it and see, see what was going on. There were some guys that were there that were, you know, watching me and seeing what I was up to. And I think they lived in the, in the vans and motorhomes there. And I was a little worried that like, I was kind of like the new house in the neighborhood and I don't know. I was worried about everything at that point. Um, yeah, but I, I tried to sleep during the day, but again, it was way too hot. And every every 10 or 15 minutes, a loud train would come by. And it would just keep freaking honking at me super loud. So I couldn't sleep until later at night. Eventually, I got some sleep a little bit. I mean, I woke up at sunrise again, and I got out of there. The next place I wanted to make it to from Palo Alto was... I wanted to make it down to Los Angeles, California and see my buddy Tommy. <clears throat> there was a few places I wanted to see along the way. I wanted to stop in Santa Cruz. I wanted to stop in Big Sur. And I wanted to stop in Santa Barbara. I wanted to go through Santa Cruz because Santa Cruz is a skate brand. And I just wanted to go check out and see the city. It's a skateboarding brand. And I wanted to see what that was like. And if there was skateboarders everywhere, I just wanted to see what, what, what the city was like. So I cruised through Santa Cruz. And right along the coast there, there's a roller coaster on the coast. There's a coast coaster. And there's some uh, volleyball nets set up there. And the whole beach was completely abandoned. There was nobody there. There was nobody on any of the shops. All the shops were closed up. It was really quiet and kind of eerie. I think in part because there was, I mean, coronavirus for sure. But also there was, that's when the fires were going on. The bad forest fires were going on kind of near that area. So... From Santa Cruz, I uh, headed down to Big Sur, just because Big Sur always sounded like a cool surfer town or something. I don't know, just what I always imagined it to be. And I didn't really think it was that cool. Maybe I went to the wrong spot or something, but I didn't really see anything that jumped out. It was kind of just me cruising through. I mean, it was cool because I'm just driving through the woods and above me, like the fires were pretty bad around there. So the the, the sky is full was full of smoke and it has a dark orange tint to it so that's a kind of cool to be driving through the forest like that but I couldn't continue down the coast all the way down to LA because I think there was a bridge that was out or it was closed or something so I had to turn around and go over some hills back and I passed through Salinas California which is just like an agriculture community and there were there was a bunch of people out working in the fields and right behind them is where you could see the fire on the hill like, like creeping across the hill but hey you got to make some money out there working <clears throat> uh, the next place i made it to was Santa Barbara and the reason i wanted to make it to Santa Barbara was because one of my favorite reggae bands Revolution has a song called Santa Barbara and i just wanted to drive through Santa Barbara while bumping Santa Barbara so that's what I did. I just put that song on repeat and looped that as I was driving through Santa Barbara. Just kind of cruised around through the park and on I was. 
And the next city was Los Angeles. So normally I hate driving in busy traffic, but this is where I found a way to enjoy it. I actually look forward to it now. So what I do is I put on my favorite band, which is Counterparts, or another heavy band like Dealer or Upon a Burning Body or something brutal. And I just get stoked. I like match the energy of the road around me. I don't, like, I can't be this driver going in busy traffic, like, <laughs> all afraid of all the cars around you. You can't be doing like that. You just pl- play some brutal, some br- brutal hardcore music loud, get yourself stoked and match the energy around you and flow through traffic. And it's actually really fun. I enjoy it now. And again, it's better with the windows down and your shirt off, but <laughs> that's just me. Uh, so yeah, I eventually made it down to LA and I met up with Tommy uh, we had some, we drank some beers, we had some pizza, we finished a bottle of whiskey, we enjoyed our vices, I smoked some cigarettes, um, and yeah, this was, I don't know, I've, I definitely value this friendship as well, like, we have, I don't know, him being, him living in LA, it's easy to be far away and start to develop some sort of negative judgment towards him, and, I mean, there's a number of reasons why I do it, but, I don't know. It's it's definitely something that I just I just create out of nowhere. There's, and it's nice that I can go down, and I can have a conversation with him about. Like, I can just be straight up, and be like, oh, yo, dude, this is what I think. This is what I think about you when I'm not around, and when I don't see you, when I don't talk to you, this is what I'm imagining is going on. And he can be like, all right, well, I hear you, but this is what, this is what actually is going on, and these are some of the, the successes, and these are some of the failures, and we can have an honest conversation. We can tell each other what's what what we think of each other when we're not around. And actually, and not get hurt by it, and just talk about this is what actually is going on, and yeah, it's a very, it's a, it's a friendship I value as well, I value deeply. And I'm excited to see his wedding coming up this within a week or so. So after hanging out with him, I stayed the night in that area, and his buddy Steve, Steve the Australian, told me that there was a place that I could go and stay for free near Santa Monica and Malibu at Zuma Beach. I could stay down there for free and I could and I could take a shower. So I started heading that direction in the morning. I got a breakfast burrito at this place Tommy told me to check out. I got this massive one that I ate throughout the whole day. And when I got down there, I didn't see any other vans or motorhomes or anything. And I thought Steve lied to me. But I parked there at Zuma Beach. I got out and enjoyed the beach for a while. Got in the water and got thrashed around a little bit. And eventually I found a shower, which is just right out right out in front of the bathroom. So I think it's supposed to be a rinse-off shower. But I was soaping up and cleaning off and everything there also. I mean, I had my, my trunks on still, so it wasn't like that. But But I got my shower. I got cleaned up. I decided to head a little more south toward in the direction of Pepperdine University and get some gas along the way that's when I drove by all the places that had uh, all all the I drove by the beach that had all the vans and motorhomes they were all parked out front so Steve wasn't lying to me I was just being an idiot and I got excited and I stopped at the first beach that I saw so I decided what I would do is go get some gas and turn around and see if I could find an open spot. Because all the spots looked like they were full since it was so late now. They'd all kind of filled up. But on my way to get gas, I got honked at by like three idiots. that like Apparently, I mean, they were the one doing something wrong, breaking the law. But apparently, I was the one that was wrong. 
and I was just getting getting angry. I was getting stressed out, and it's busy California. And I just said, I'm just, I just said, I'm out of here. Like I'm done with California. And I started heading east. I started to get out of there. And I found there was a free place that I could stay at a rest area or a truck stop, actually, at um, near the border of California and Nevada. So that's where the story part portion of this podcast will end. I kind of got out of all the known world, all the places that I had already seen, places that I'd already been to. A few things that I'd picked up along the way or that I learned along the way was one thing was for sure was slow down. I was going way too fast. Like every day I'd wake up and I had no idea where I was going to sleep that night. And yeah, it's exciting. But when the sun's starting to go down and you have nowhere to sleep and everywhere around you is sketchy, it's not really fun anymore. It's like, I just want to be able to find some place to stay. And what I decided to do is anywhere that I go now, I'm going to stay minimum two nights so that I stay there the first night. And then I have the whole day to enjoy. And then I know that night, I know at least, I know, I know where I'm going to be staying at least one day. And you know, when you're going that fast, it's just hard to enjoy the places that you're going by. You don't really have enough time. I just felt rushed through it. Another thing was uh, from a conversation I had with Irwin that one of the things I told him about was wanting to get down to Florida. So the thing that I want to do in Florida is I want, I want to learn how to sail. I think that'd be really fun to do and be a really cool skill to gain. I don't know if it's going to happen again, but I would, that's something that really interests me. So, but one of the things that he told me was that Florida is not the point that the journey is the point that the adventure is the point. And like, and I don't know if he exactly meant all this, but exactly what, or what I heard was, you know, you got to enjoy the journey. You have to learn to live for today rather than a anticipate something good that's going to happen in the future or some amazing thing that's going to happen in the future you have to learn to live every day and for the ups and downs that it has you just got to learn to enjoy what that is and learn to manage that and that's what living is that's the art of living not dreaming of some amazing point in the future another thing was i went from a conversation with tommy so I'm very hard on myself about everything, probably partially because I grew up in a conservative Christian home <laughs> and uh, just growing up in a religious home in general. And not that you can't be have strong convictions otherwise, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm very hard on myself about a lot of things. And um, I think it's a good thing to be hard on yourself because I think successful people are, you have to be hard on yourself, but it needs to be tapered and you can't be excessively hard on yourself. You can't beat yourself up or else you're, just, you're not getting anywhere and you're, you're, you're not allowing yourself to do anything. Um, what I was being hard on myself at this point was I was on social media too much and I was kind of, I felt as I was living through my phone. That's like the screen on my phone. And I was telling Tommy about this. And one of the things that he said, and again, I don't know if you meant this exactly, but this is what I heard, but it was, uh, let it all be part of the journey. <clears throat> so it was, don't feel bad about doing the things you're doing. Cause if you, if you feel bad about the, that doing them, you're not going to focus on them. You're not going to give them the full effort that they demand. And you're not going to do it as properly as you could. I mean, if there is some control you need to put on it or stepping back from it, then work on that. But don't feel bad about it. And it also ties in with something my dad said too growing up. It was like, if you're going to do something, do it 100%. So if I'm going to choose to be on social media, then try to do it right. And try to, like, try to like, just don't feel bad about it. And try to have fun with it. And don't rip yourself apart. And focus 100% on, everyone, on whatever you're doing. Um, the question that I received 
<clears throat> well, a couple questions was from Jaron, and uh, one of them was about traveling during coronavirus, and I touched on that a bit about having difficulty finding campsites. But another, a few other things is in busy areas, it's difficult to find a restroom. Public restrooms, some of them are closed. So in restaurants or fast food places or laundromats or whatever, it's some of the restaurant restrooms have been closed, which is a big bummer. Uh, another thing is that's been one of the worst things probably has been meeting new people has been more difficult. Not not necessarily because people are don't want to get sick and the masks and all this stuff, but m- mostly because coffee shops have been closed down and restaurants have been closed down. So those are the main two places I plan on meeting people is at restaurants and re- and uh, restaurant bars and coffee shops. Because, yeah, one of my favorite things to do is the great way to meet people, not at like a at a sports bar, really, or a crazy bar or anything like that, but it, like go sit at like an Applebee's and get a burger and a beer, have a conversation with the bartender and the other people that are there. Uh, and I enjoy meeting people that way. And that's what I planned on doing. And it's too bad that a lot of the restaurants aren't open like that. A lot of them are just you know, takeout only. But So that's been a big bummer along the way. Um, another thing that he asked was about hitchhiking, about would I pick up a hitchhiker. And... It depends. <laughs> so I would pick up a hitchhiker, but it depends on, on the situation. So if I was if I was going directly to a campsite or like a Walmart or wherever I was going to sleep that night, then probably not because I don't really want that person to be staying the night with me. And if there's multiple people or if they, if they have animals or something, then no, I don't want to pick up those people. And also it depends on, but if I'm going to be going like, you know, 200 miles that day and I can give them a ride 50 or 80 or 100 miles then sweet yeah like then hop in and let's go and it's a cool conversation to have an interesting person but also it depends on the person because this is like when I got picked up hitchhiking I was out there I had a big smile on my face I was decently clean shaven uh I had a sign that said won't kill you and just the energy that I was putting out was positive and happy and 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 I got picked up by this guy that was probably around 45 or so and his, his mom was in the passenger seat, probably in her 60s. And he, when he picked me up, he told me, he's like, yeah, my mom didn't want to pick you up, but I could see by the look on your face that you were a nice guy. So like that, that kind of stuff, like I'm looking out for that also. If, if the guy looks like he's going to try to sell me heroin or stab me in the neck or something, then I'm probably not going to pick him up. But if he looks like a nice, friendly guy, then sure, let's hop in and let's get to know each other a little bit. But the thing about hitchhiking is uh as a saying was ask grass or cash and i mean if it's a dude i'll be <laughs> if it's anybody i'll take the grass or i'll take the cash <laughs> but the, like, there, that's uh, some benefit you can get also from picking up hitchhikers uh yeah so on the next episode i plan on talking about vegas and utah and just those because utah i stayed in for over two months i stayed for 69 days in utah in just a couple days in Vegas, I might get to the Grand Canyon, which was afterwards, but I'm not exactly sure about that. We'll see. And again, if anybody has any questions, please reach out to me. Uh, the best place to reach would be through Instagram at Adventures of Andrew B or my personal account at Andrew Al Briggs. Or you can email me at Andrew Al Briggs at Gmail. Uh, there is one last thing I wanted to touch on. So there's been, 
I've got a number of messages from people and I meet people in, in, in person that tell me this also, but they're like, you're so lucky, man. You're living the dream. You're doing exactly what I want to do. And, and I get it. Like I'm, I'm lucky. I'm blessed. And like, I, I worked hard to get, to do what I'm doing. And I mean, I get it that you can't drive your home to the ocean or to the forest, but I can, like, I get it. Like it's a lot of people like this idea. And, but I mean, the whole online van life, yeah, van life, whatever. Like it's, it's not as amazing as it says it looks online. You're going to be freezing cold in some places. You're going to be sweaty and stinky and it's scary. And it's not really what it looks like online. And you have up, you have ups and downs like you have everywhere else in life. And I'm alone a lot, which is, I mean, there's goods to that where you don't have to deal with anybody else's bullshit, but you know, you got to deal with your own bullshit and you got to deal with yourself. And it's not easy a lot. And I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm not looking for anybody to feel bad for me or anything. Please don't send me messages like that and don't pity me. Or I, don't, I don't want that. I don't need that. Maybe what I'm saying is just the grass is always greener. It always seems nicer on the other side. But one of the big things from Into the Wild that jumps out, that the biggest thing that Christopher McCandless found was happiness is only real when shared. And when you leave, you'll, you'll, you'll miss people more than you think you will. So what I'll say is just don't wish you were somewhere else. Just do the best you can with what you have where you are. And the people that are valuable to you in your life, your friends and your family, tell them you love them or show them you love them. However you express love, let them know that you love them. Just love yours. That's what really matters. All right, I got to go collect some wood for tonight's fire. So again, I appreciate everybody taking time to listen to this. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the day.